So when Google launches its own comparison shopping service to rival its competitors and puts it on the top of the Google listings ahead of everything else, the European Commission calls it out and says that it's in breach of EU competition law. What does this decision mean for how the big tech firms are regulated? And is breaking them up the answer? We'll discuss this and more in this episode of Legally Fond. Welcome to Season 3 of Legally Fond in association with LawSchool.ie. LawSchool.ie is Ireland's leading provider of tuition for the FE1 or King's Inns entrance exams. Each course is delivered live online with a specific exam focus and supported by the latest manuals. Shorter pre-recorded workshops are also available. Courses commence in June and November and you can register anytime at lawschool.ie. For the duration of this season, we're giving away a free subject course worth €355, which can be used for any FE1 or King's Inns prep course subject with lawschool.ie. For your chance to win that, head to our Instagram. It's legally underscore fond. And this week, we've got a company law textbook to win with thanks to Claris Press. And before the end of the episode, I'm going to announce the winner of our EU law textbook. Stay listening to Legally Fond. Alex, give us the background to this European Commission decision on Google. Global market share of the top 10 search engines don't go away yet. I know that it's not something we've usually covered. But Google take about 91.5% of global market share of all search engines, which is a ridiculous amount. So this is a monopoly. Let's not, you know, that's, as everybody will know, especially um, over recent times in New Year, online shopping and spending that hard-earned money um, there are windows at the top of the search that show the product you're looking for and then different prices from different websites. There's actually an interesting legal question in this because Google are saying that that is an ad. So those slots are paid for. There's an issue because other websites used to do this. So they compare we- uh, prices from different websites of the same products, but Google are basically stealing all their business. So the European Commission have said that this is anti-competitive it's breaking antitrust laws and google have shockingly are starting to give out about this and they say they're ads so that it's not a comparison and that's what has arisen from uh, the european commission's not the european courts decision to say that you know google have to basically fix it the problem was that google realized they're having monopoly over general search general search being you go onto google uh, you look for a website and then you click into that website and find your the, the answer to the query that you're looking for. But then there's this idea of vertical search. And if you are looking for a hotel, for instance, you might use a hotel comparison website like hotels.com. If you're looking to buy a new car, you might use autotrader, beepbeep.ie. Compare the market, famously. Compare the meerkat.com, yes, yeah. of course. Uh, but Google realized that people, when they were looking for hotels, for instance, or to buy products... Or to even go on flights, like, you know, Skyscanner, a really big website to find the cheapest fare, Google Flights. And this was Google's problem, that people weren't needing to go to Google for these specialist search queries. They'd go to Hotels.com or Booking.com instead. So Google decided to incorporate some of these comparison services within the Google search website. So that, like in this case, if you were looking to buy something online, within Google search, a whole list of products would come up at the top of the page from different retailers that you could then click into and go to their websites. Now, the European Commission said that Google, in doing this, was abusing its dominant position, which is a breach of Article 102 of the Treaty on the Functioning of the European Union. Google is dominant in the market for general search, 
and by usurping these websites and giving prominence to their own shopping comparison service above the other comparison sites on the Google listings, they were, in a way, foreclosing competition and making life harder for their rivals. Now, Google is a little bit disappointed with this, and the primary reason is that this is stepping away from kind of established precedent. Typically, abuses of a dominant position would include situations where a company owns some essential resource, and they prevent their competitors from accessing that resource, or charge them such a high price to use that resource that effectively they're blocked out from competing in the market. Or there could be a situation where a monopoly is deliberately limiting the amount it produces or limiting the amount it develops its products, which means that customers end up paying more money or don't get newer, more innovative products. But Google has an issue with this ruling because this ruling departs from that and essentially says Google is preferencing itself over others. Now, if you're a tech firm that is innovating, that is bringing out these new features, how fair do you think it is for the European Commission to come along and say, hey, you've broken EU law, you're abusing your dominant position, even though you mightn't have known that that conduct or that innovation was anti-competitive because in the past, no one has been punished for doing anything similar. How fair do you think that is? Well, look... Let's look at this. Um, what you've said there is very fair in regards to the fact that this is a kind of uniquely modern legal conundrum. But the law, as we know, particularly in a common law jurisdiction, and of course the EU is primarily civil, but you know it's not entirely rigid. It can adapt and it does adapt. Um, and the law is designed to do so. And I think this is reflected... Um, very clearly in the Commission's decision. Uh, and this is an issue that, that Google raised here. They said the remedy for their practice, which was deemed uncompetitive, um, they said it was too vague. But this is precisely by design because the EU doesn't want to impose some very, very technical remedy, which in a matter of months, potentially, Google would be able to usurp with some subsequently developed technology, which means they can code it in such a way or or step aside or step around the exact provisions of that remedy. And and so they have left it vague and they, they allow Google to be innovative in terms of how they regulate this practice, but at the same time ensure the letter of the law is adhered to. But as well, Google like Google is the only are the only people that know what it is, like know how the search engine works entirely. The European Commission probably know as much as we do about how a search engine works mm-hmm. like you know whether it's ones and zeros and all this kind of crack like i guess on the point of like oh they're just making up law like antitrust laws were just made up in 1890 in the in the states they just like they came out of thin air you know um and then they were enforced properly against standard oil 20 years later in about 1910 like when they broke up standard oil it became 90 different companies um like you know some of which were exxon mobile like that still survived today we're in a different age so like the gilded age you know when there are these massive monopolies you know paying off politicians and stuff we're not quite there but it's a very different context we have to be able to the law has to be able to adapt to the circumstances that arise and at the moment because we use the internet all the time for so much of our daily life um we're handing this monopoly over to a private company which you know sounds a lot like standard oil like why not you know, you have to punish you have to punish them or keep them in check. Like they they're bigger than some countries in terms of like GDP, which is incredible for like a private company that you know. Well, what you might argue if you're a tech firm is that 
if the EU law has certain established principles saying this is fair competition, this is not fair competition if you do this and we'll punish you, then that's fine. You know within what scope you can innovate and bring out new products and what you'll be allowed to do. But if you're a tech firm in this circumstance and the European Commission comes out and says, no, 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 you can't do that. You, you can't have this shopping comparison service that preferences your own comparison service over your rivals, but you didn't know that that was considered an anti-competitive move and you didn't know that was breaching the law. How are you able to innovate in future? Because any new feature that you might put years into researching and developing and many millions of euros into developing might, after the fact, have to get shut down because it's apparently in breach of EU law. And ultimately, a tech firm might say, innovation is the end goal here. We want to bring out new features with better functionality to make people's lives better. And the EU stepping in is stifling innovation. No, look, I I take an immediate issue here with the use of the term innovation because you're subscribing to this kind of business soundbite jargon. Okay, innovation is all well and good, but innovation doesn't necessarily that what is the product of innovation is ultimately going to benefit the population at large. We've seen huge developments of in technology, not all of which have actively benefited people. Dynamite. So, you know, so so these things do absolutely need to be regulated and the notion of regulation would suggest if you have parameters in which to operate the regulation or the, the innovation is thus more considered, it may be perhaps slower, but as a result, it's better, it's more thorough, it's safer. Um, it means that we don't just rush things onto, onto market and allow the population at large to be guinea pigs for these things and subsequently determine 20 yeah, years later... These are later, not drug trials. This is an it algorithm have to, on a website. It doesn't have to be, but Sorry, algorithms so basically, are... Basically, Pierce is getting paid by Facebook and then uh, Gavin is getting paid by Google. So as the only independent member of this podcast, um, look, there's been a, in the news over well, the last couple of months, there's been issues around um, like in Australia and Canada have passed laws to say that Facebook have to pay news providers for basically content because they use the content. That's why people go to their site. It's an interesting one that these these platforms have so much power and so much market share. We are at the behest of Spotify and Apple Podcasts, if they decide that they don't want people to listen to us, then, well, that's it. We're gone. Like, you know, and we can't we can't exactly appeal it. Like, Which, again, may actually be a benefit for the population <laughs> at large. I hate to agree with Pierce, but, yeah, this sort of thing has to be regulated. They are massive monopolies. If there are six different search engines and we all went on different ones and it was all a bit more, like, competitive and women up and went down like then I'd be happier but these are absolutely monopolies like these are absolutely companies that are getting too much power are going unchecked by regulators because they're international companies they're not under um, the influence of just one government you know and it's I guess that's one of like that is one of the benefits of EU membership is that we are part of a block that is big enough to actually impact these companies Otherwise, like, you know, 4 million people um, on the edge of Europe in the middle of the Atlantic would have absolutely no influence on what Google does. Competition law focuses on on the market and the sanctity of the market. And the, the principle behind it is the more companies you have in the market, the more competition there will be. Therefore, the more innovation there will be. And ultimately, the lower 
the prices will be for consumers at the oh, end well, of the day. What you're saying there is the freer the market, the freer the people. Gavin Dowd, 2021, legally fund. Pierce, those words came out of your mouth, not mine. Uh, so I'm, I'm just wondering what your philosophy is behind competition law. Do you think, because some people believe that being big is bad as such, just because you're a monopoly, you're bad. Some people say, uh, you know, you can be a monopoly, but as long as consumers are getting lower prices or they're getting innovation and that you're efficient, that's okay. Or some people would say, and even the US Supreme Court said in the last 15 years, the reason people get into business is so that they can they can be monopolies and so that they can earn monopolies, monopoly profits. Monopolies are what drive capitalists to invest their money and start companies. What, what's your take on that, guys? How many uh, times can you use monopoly in one sentence there? <laughs> I think it's kind of you have I, almost... I have a monopoly you, you, have, you have strategically diluted the potency of the word monopoly there. What happens when, when a business has ultimate control or or pseudo-ultimate control, near-ultimate control over a particular sector of the economy is it it stagnates. Innovation inherently slows just by virtue of the fact that you don't have to deal with competition. You don't have to deal with rivals. There aren't people who are innovating faster or better than you. Or if they are, you're buying them up um, or you're beating them or you're making sure that they're shut down. So uh, I, I think you can kind of use the guise of innovation as in, oh, look, Apple's brought out a new iPhone. Therefore, the consumer is getting something good even though they have an incredibly um, forceful control over the market as an excuse for what is inherently an an unhealthy economic practice, which is to give a small number of companies a lot of power over a particular industry, which is more so an oligopoly, really, than it is a monopoly. Apple's a good example because they actually charge, um, so like any in-app purchase you make, 30% of it goes to Apple. That's their fee. Literally, that's an Apple tax for uh, using their services, their platform services, which you could argue, you know, a 30% tax on something before any other expense is quite a lot. Like, that's really, like, any of the in-app purchases, all the microtransactions, like, straight away, most of the money goes to Apple. That's why they, that's how they really make their money. As we've said on this show before, maybe we haven't reminded people in season three, we are not experts. Especially me. Especially me (laughs) on competition law, but... If it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, if it looks like a monopoly, it probably is going to be a monopoly. They've ninety ninety two percent market share almost. A lot of these, a lot of industries over the course of history have started out nationalized, and some of them still are. So railways, like it's very hard to you know have competition in railways because there's only one track. You can't run two trains in the same track. Electricity, the ESB. One electricity grid. Yeah. One electricity grid. You can't have like, you know, one for Dublin and one for Wicklow. Lewis lines. There's only two. <laughs> Red and green. Take your pick. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even connect for a while. <laughs> there is an issue around like one company having too much power, having too much market share. And as much as the free of the market, the free of the people, as much as I kind of instinctively agree with the sentiment, I'm not that free. If I want to start up a search engine tomorrow, I'd be laughed out the door because why would you? Google exists. Well, there is this theory that the internet tends to create monopolies. I think they call it winner-takes-all economics. And one good reason for this is network effects. Take a social network like Facebook, for example. The more people are on Facebook, the more you'll want to be on Facebook because the more connections you'll have, the more people you'll be able to talk to, the more content there will be on the platform. I guess the same goes for Amazon and the marketplace on Amazon. The more 
stuff that's for sale on Amazon, the more you'll want to use Amazon because the greater the range of products they will have. And then from a seller's perspective, the more people that are buying on Amazon, the more sellers will want to be on Amazon because that's where all the potential customers are. So this is the idea that size begets size and bigger firms end up in this virtuous circle of getting bigger and bigger. And this is facilitated by the internet, which allows people from all over the world to do business with each other. So there might be this argument that you would split up Google into its constituent parts, but what then happens if in 10 years' time after being split up, one of the components of Google becomes a monopoly again? Are you back to square one? But as part of the issue now that Google has isn't just running one thing. Google isn't just a search engine. It owns YouTube. Like, it runs, you know, Google Docs, Google, all of those things. Uh, Google Ad services are a whole different thing related to the search engine. Amazon use Amazon Web Services. I think, like, 25% of Netflix's content are on Amazon Web Services, who also run Amazon Prime. So if they wanted to in the morning, they could shut off their, ser- uh, their service. That's it. And Netflix wouldn't work. Yeah, I mean, look, it's the same with what Facebook owning Instagram and now WhatsApp and and, and various other applications. I mean, this is the problem that it's there is a kind of a spillover effect where it doesn't just stop at Facebook. And look, I understand where you're coming from with that point. But but ultimately, it, 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 it is just very concerning. And I think I suppose we have to look at the nature of the product they're selling or the product that we are availing of. It is inherently data heavy. So they have access to, you know, very basic material that you willingly provide. But we have seen as well how increasingly everything is run online. It's not just Facebook as a social media platform. It is now Facebook where you go to get your news, where you get your political opinions, where you interact with people, where you shop on Facebook Marketplace or whatever the case may be. You avail of so many other tangential services through the medium of Facebook and as a result of that they build up a profile and I'm not not trying to sound here like some kind of conspiracist but but this is a matter of fact that you know they just because of these actions and these day-to-day activities they build up a profile of your interests your habits your opinions and and so forth why is that dangerous I, I suppose because we've seen with the likes of Cambridge Analytica or or, or various other um uh, organizations who are who are pushing polit- particular political agendas this can be weaponized or, or used or politicized in such a certain way that you are fed a how will breaking up particular diet fix this i'm not saying it necessarily will fix this but it means that not one particular firm has the data of two billion people you know it it, it is broken up and it look it it might be it might in in fact of anything make it more of a commodity, and um, the idea of you know cooperation between these firms. But you know if there's that competition, uh, and if they're striving to get more and more data, at least they're starting from a lower base point than sorry, Facebook or Google are now. Google had in their mission statement, "Don't be evil," and they took it out. They're working on a search engine with China so that the government can just approve everything that goes up on their internet. Is that not slightly kind of? You know, the, worrying that, okay, these firms are getting so big, they're getting so, like, ubiquitous everywhere. And now they're basically, you know, what we would call, like, for us, like, censoring, like, you know, whether it's pro-democracy protesters on all this stuff in, you know, in search of a bit of extra coin, not like they need it. 
going into China, basically working with dictatorships, working to like hide human rights abuses. Yeah, no, I I completely agree, Alex Jones, and I'm delighted to be it's here on tr- Infowars today, and um, it's it's a real pleasure for you to you know it's expose. True. <laughs> it's true, they did take Don't Be Evil out. <laughs> The winner of the EU Law Textbook with thanks to Claris Press is Rachel Smith. Well done, Rachel. And head to our Instagram right now for your chance to win a company law textbook, all with thanks to Claris Press. Don't forget, if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening and talk to you next time. (laughs) 